Hello, and welcome to the On Time Autism Intervention Podcast, a podcast for parents of children three and younger, dedicated to providing accurate information about autism, autism intervention, and guidance for your new path. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Washington's On-Time Autism Intervention, or OTAI. We're a collaborative project led by the UW's Autism Center and Herring Center for Inclusive Education. Our work is supported by the Seattle Foundation and aims to increase equitable access to timely diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder and evidence-based intervention for young children and their families. We are so glad you're here. All right. Welcome back to the On Time Autism Intervention Podcast. Hi, Jess. Hi, Ashley. Good to, good to hear your voice. It's good to hear your voice. And I am super excited today because we have a return guest. Um, anyone listening to our podcast from the beginning will remember Louisa. Louisa was on our third episode and talked to us about the parental process of diagnosis and kind of those next steps. And, um, it's a very popular episode. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. And, um, the other really cool thing. So we get to kind of check back in with Louisa today, but Louisa is also a licensed mental health counselor. So she is going to not only talk to us about just kind of what's going on a couple years later, but also give us some guidance and support for our parent listeners out there, um, and kind of caring for themselves and their own mental health. So welcome back, Louisa. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. We are so excited to have you here. Thanks for being here. Um, So I'm just going to kind of get started. And I think we'd all love to hear how things are going. How are things going for you and your family? Um, yeah, they are going, they're going really well. I mean, it's, it's family, right? So it's uh, parenting has ups and downs. There isn't, it isn't perfect, but things are going well in many ways. We have been able to learn so much about my son and as, as he's growing up, seeing more of like his personality and his needs and his preferences and dislikes, it is, um, helping to kind of understand who he is as a person and so it does minimize some of the conflict when the communication isn't totally working between parent and child Mm -hmm. um so the fact that now as parents we have more awareness of who he is um it really does help us support him yeah so things are in that sense things are going really really well that's really cool that's really cool so we talked last time with you about sort of the process of your son's diagnosis and, and things. And, and we'd love to hear kind of when you look back on the time of your son's diagnosis, do you have things that you wish you knew then or or things that you would like to tell your, your past self um, that you want to mm. share with us? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is, um, I think the, I mean, the main thing that I will tell myself, I would tell myself is don't worry so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there was so much worry. Um, you know, it's when you don't have all the understanding for one, what autism is, and two, you maybe have some misconceptions about it to to be real so not you don't even you don't know what it is and you have some wrong ideas about what it is which is how I came in because I didn't have the background um that I that I do now um getting 
the fear of getting the evaluation was getting a diagnosis and hearing that diagnosis in at that time just felt like an ultimatum almost you know and, and it was really worrisome and there was so much stress so much anxiety as a parent and mm-hmm. I see how he's doing today how we're doing today and and he is still autistic and we're well we're okay things are okay it was not an ultimatum. He has a full life ahead and what it looks like, we don't know, but that's true for any child. And so, yeah, I would just tell myself, like, don't worry so much because you just don't know what it's going to look like. And it might look much better than what your mind is telling you right now. It's really helpful to hear that. I, I find myself when I'm giving feedback to parents and and uh, telling them that their child has autism, you know, I, I say that, like, try as much as you can to, like, to not look too far in the future, to sort of stay in the moment and to not get too worried. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't know how helpful that is for me to say that, like, I want to be helpful, you know, but, but it helps me to hear you say that as a mom mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. of a child with autism, to hear you say that helps helps me a lot so I think that'll help a lot of our listeners too Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I I would add too I would say that if I would have heard that then from even myself I might not have listened to myself yeah how do you get yourself to listen it's just a really hard thing to sit with and especially if you don't know what it is and so Mm -hmm. it's is this very intimidating uncertainty that now it's a part of your life and it just it just feels like it just feels like how am I actually going to do this you know and the reality is that you do you just kind of wake up every day and you just start and then you just get going and it's working and then the next day you wake up and do the other thing and some days are great, some days are hard, but you're doing it. That is part of parenting, just get, mm-hmm. like doing the things, getting up and doing the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, one of the things that I wonder about too, in that it's probably just something that that you're able to find more peace with over time. But I, I wonder a lot about, uh, you know, we always say, the diagnosis doesn't change who your child is. Your child Mm -hmm. is still your child. Nothing about your child has changed. We just have this new information, but I think, and I wonder again, if, if for the majority of parents who don't know about autism, if this new information is so new and feels so big that it almost feels like it feels like there's this kind of otherness. And in reality, it's hard to reconcile. My child hasn't changed. My child's still my child. You know, when you talk about your son and how he's doing now, it you talk about celebrating the individual person that he is. Mm-hmm. And, and that is always going to be true about him. So I wonder if it's just this kind of big looming feeling of unknowing and this totally new um, newness about it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean... I hear, here I think it merges a little word of my professional piece. Um, mm-hmm. Something what I hear a lot from parents when they start working with me, when they just receive their child's diagnosis, is that to them, it almost feels like they've just told them, my, ca- my child has cancer. It feels like that. Mm-hmm. And so, 
And why does it feel like that? I do think that there is a a layer of that is society has really looked at autism from like a medical point of view. And so we do want to like, we we look at it from the medical model. And so because most of the information out there is from that rather than just people who have autistic children and our community with each other and stuff, you can think of it as this medical bad diagnosis that we got. And then that's mm-hmm. that's really intimidating from that. And that's many times what I hear from the parents I work with. Mm-hmm. So interesting. I think also it's like, you know, most parents have a picture of what their life is going to be like and what their child's life is going to be like. And no matter what it is that you're hearing, it's like all of a sudden, this is a thing that's happening that you think is really going to change that picture. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's hard to, you know, and you, I don't know, you're just attached to what that picture was going to look yeah. like, or you spent so much time thinking about that picture. So it just takes some time to shift to like, it doesn't have to be this terrible picture. It's just a different, this is yep. a different picture, but I didn't expect it. To, mm-hmm. Yeah. So for parents who are listening right now, who are going through the evaluation process, what what would you say to them? What do you want them to know? Yeah. For me, the main thing is that I want you to know that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not want to um, have to change your entire life. Like you were saying, just like have to change what you saw of parenting it's okay to resist that. It's okay to not want it. It's okay to have um, feelings about that. That is a normal reaction to a change in what you thought would be, to uncertainty, to let's be real. Like there is a reality when you do get on on a diagnosis that is that things are going to not only look different, but they're also going to be more, they're going to be busier, going to be busier as a parent. And so it's okay to not be okay with that reality. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing that I would tell them is that, and then alongside with that is, please do find support. Whether that is a, a person, you know, for many people, if they have a partner they're going through with these, they might think of their partner as their support, but their partner is also going through it. And so that might not be the best person. And somebody who is outside, who they feel safe with, who they feel like that person can hold space for them and is not going to try to, you know, work on just make him feel better. Because mm-hmm. that's kind of where we need to, as parents, and we're going through that, we just need to go through the process of releasing, grieving, mourning, what we thought would be. And then once we do that, we are able to be more open-minded and our heart is more open to look at what is going to be now. Mm -hmm. Um, But there has to be an in-between. You can't just switch from one to the other in that one appointment when the doctor told you, yes, your child has autism. Mm -hmm. And so allow yourself to not be okay and find somebody who is safe that is okay with you not being okay. I love that. I wonder, Marisa, like it feels... Like that's really great advice. And I wonder if it's even thinking through 
what would feel supportive. So you find this person and you feel connected and you feel like they're a support. They still might not exactly know how to support you in this. Mm-hmm. So just saying, Hey, I just need you to listen. Mm-hmm. I just need you to, you know, comfort me. I just, mm-hmm. I don't need, I don't need advice. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. somehow get, getting clear about a little bit, what would be a comfort. Cause I think everybody also feels comfort in different ways. Some people want solutions and they want this and they want that. And some people just want, I just want you to be there and nod and, mm-hmm. you know, love me. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say here from a mental health point of view is that for the parents who feel like they want to jump into solution right away, I do want you to know that there might be a little bit of fear response in that. And so it is okay for you to stop and not go into action right away and realize that actually, maybe the reason why I'm jumping into action desperately right away is because I am scared. And so actually, let's sit with that fear and process that fear before we move into action. We are more productive in our action. We are more effective when we're regulated. And it actually it's necessary for a parent to process if it if it was hard if it brought fear i think it's really important for for people to make time for that feeling rather than try to jump into action right away and so that's why i like the idea of what you said that somebody that can listen and just like just be that that that's what i do from a mental health perspective you know with my clients that's what i do um i try to remind them that it's okay when they're with me in that room, that it's okay for them to be sad, that it's Mm -hmm. okay for them to be angry. And usually what happens after the session is that they feel more ready to, okay, now I'm ready to go make that call to put Mm -hmm. him in a waiting list. Or now I know what I want to say to the doctor next time I go. Mm -hmm. But you can't really put all those thoughts together if you're in the fear. Mm -hmm. And so I, for parents who are in that process and they're having figuring out what comfort is and what soothing might look like I would highly encourage you to take a pause before you act because that's probably when you realize what you really are feeling Mm -hmm. I love that too because I think that you know a lot of people feel as though if I can get the to-do list done I'll feel better and what you're saying is you also have to take care of yourself And getting the to-do list done might not meet that goal of taking care of yourself. And in fact, taking care of yourself might help you prioritize the to-do list a little bit better. You're making decisions based on your values and your family values Mm -hmm. rather than I'm just going to throw everything, you know, at the wall and see what sticks because... I I fear or whatever you know may be motivating that. So this is Ashley. This is like the time for your favorite analogy about the airplane. Oh, this feels like this is deja vu. Oftentimes you say, and it's a really important one. Like when you're on an airplane and they're doing the safety warning, they always say, "Put your safety mask on first, Mm -hmm. and then put your child safety mask on." And this is exactly what Luis is saying: is like Mm -hmm. pause and. The only way you can really take care of your child is if you've taken care of yourself yeah. first. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to take a moment to do that. 
And then you'll be breathing easier. Yeah. And, you can't put and, your child's safety mask on if you're unconscious. So right. <laughs> <laughs> put yours on first. That's that. You, you forgot. 100%. Yes. And I think the other part to that is that this is for the long haul, right? This isn't a short-term thing. And so at some point, if you're not prioritizing yourself, you will collapse. Mm-hmm. because this is not a like going back to analogy you know the flight ends and the starts and ends in a very definite time but what is that for parenthood and whether it's for parenthood of a person who has a different brain how you know some parents of autistic children have more years of you know that that care and so these things are you know parenthood it's a lifetime thing and mm-hmm. so you're just gonna have to take care of yourself or you will collapse Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah what are some other um like common areas of support that you can suggest you know for for parents and caregivers so I mean from my from my place as a therapist my main focus other than what I just said which is allowing them to have the feelings that they have in the moment my next it's usually advocacy and so self-advocacy and family advocacy. And so, you know, they often say, oh, I the doctor said this and this or the teacher said this and this and they think I should do this. And so a lot of what I do in my in, in these places, well, let's check in with your desires for your family. Let's check in with your value system. Let's really figure out with this information what you want to take and what you want to leave. And then once we figure out what's important for them, the next step is, which it happens to majority of my clients is, I really don't know how to communicate that. They, they'll tell me, I don't know how to tell the provider this. I don't know how to tell the doctor this. I work with a lot of BIPOC clients too. And so for a lot of them, it's I've never been that direct with a doctor. And so there's a lot of coaching on what, coaching on on recognizing that you have a lot of agency and that you might not know it, but this is what it looks like. And so, but that for me, that's something I can provide because well, one, I'm in this field and I'm working with people, but also I'm going through it as a parent. Mm -hmm. And so there are some times where I did not say the very self-assured thing that I wish I would have said. And then had to go through all the work to like a, a year later, go to the same provider and be like, now I know what I want to say. <laughs> and so, you know, that's part big part of that is to help parents figure out what their agency is in those relationships and how they can communicate their needs, their desires, and even the things that they don't want anymore. I love that. I love that. And that Reminds me of my other, that's such a great resource that reminds me of my other favorite analogy. Apparently all my analogies are vehicles, but this analogy (laughs) is the bus driver and the parent is the, should be the driver of the bus and any providers or teachers or doctors are lucky if they get invited on the bus to help us get to where we need to go. But ultimately we, the whole team should always be deferring to the parent and the child when, you know, when that mm-hmm. makes sense and is, is, um, they're at an age and the choices and the topics are appropriate, but 
the parent is the one who's making decisions on behalf of their young child. And so we should always be looking to them to help us get to where they want to go, not where I want to go, not where, you know, anybody else wants to go, but what matters to your family and what is it that you are, you know, prioritizing for your family and your child? Yeah. And you know, it's so interesting what you're saying this, because one of the things that I hear a lot of clients say is that for one, again, many are BIPOC. And so the relationship in the in the room with a provider does tend to have a little bit of a power disbalance and people feel different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but also there is the level of most parents are not in this field. So there's also another kind of power disbalance there. And it's like, I feel like you have all the information and I know nothing. And so what a lot of parents tell me when they come to session is, Sometimes they don't even realize that they agree to things that they didn't really even want or because they're just, the person said it, they sound very convinced and sure of what they're mm-hmm. saying. They were very kind with me. And so I said, yes, but I'm feeling so weird about this. I don't know. And then we start diving into this and we realize, oh, you didn't want that. That's this, mm-hmm. this backtrack and figure out how you can communicate that. So it's not sometimes as evident in that, in that interaction that that parent is not feeling comfortable with what my we might be offering. Yeah. And especially if that provider is a individually as a person is somebody who is not very attuned to like body language and things like that, mm-hmm. they might not pick up that that parent is getting is saying yes, but with the level of discomfort to like mm-hmm. get curious about why do I feel like your yes is not so sure? Are you sure about this? And right. but that doesn't if that person as an individual is not thinking in that way, they're just hearing yes. I'm like, okay, great, we're on the same team. Mm-hmm. And then the the parent goes to my room and that's when they realize I didn't want to say yes, but I didn't know that then. It's like there's opportunities on both ends. So we as a field need to do a better job of training providers to not expect an answer in the moment Mm -hmm. and even say something like, okay, we're thinking about doing this. I'm going to explain it to you. I want you to think about it. And then we'll talk about it next time I come or next time we meet. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if for parents recognizing, you know, we always talk to parents and say, trust your gut. And if Mm -hmm. something is making you go ick, or I don't feel comfortable, or this doesn't feel right. Even I wonder about what do you think about even just saying, can I think about that? Yeah, I tell my clients that all the time. And I tell this to myself, too, because I have ADHD. And so for me, I easily people could be like, hey, can you do this? And I say, yes, because I'm thinking, you know, usually at the time I'm free, but I'm not thinking, oh, I have like five appointments before that I might be tapped out in energy. Mm-hmm. So it's answering in the moment, committing to something in the moment, I would say for most people, please don't, yeah. <laughs> please don't, please say, okay, let me get back to you. I'm going to go mm-hmm. think about these. And this goes back to regulate yourself and then make decisions. Yeah. So take go process, see how you feel. And then if you do have that person that can hear you sometimes talking to that person, then you can be like, oh, I'm not actually on board with these, or I have mm-hmm. more questions about these. Um, so I think that, yes, for the parents, I would say in general, if you can't, if you feel any type of anything that is not an automatic yes, then it's okay to say, let me think about that. 
And also for the providers, I think it's really important for us to be very curious because from, again, my feel, I do see that a lot of people, parents are people, parents are individuals, they're not just parents, right? And so I see a lot of parents who have trauma history, for example, they don't have the inner awareness to be able to say, let me follow my intuition. Mm -hmm. They're not quite there yet. And so it helps when we have providers that are curious to say, I explained this to you. Do do you feel totally good about that? Like I really want to hear how you feel about these Mm -hmm. Um, would help the parents who are in, in a place of safety to listen to themselves. Yeah, that's so good. This is all really helpful. And I wish everybody, every parent could have you to support them. Cause I think this mm-hmm. is just sounds like so necessary. I, I want to highlight something as a provider that, um, that I really want to encourage parents about. And, and that is that it's okay to ask questions. I mean, that, that mm-hmm. there's, you know, it, it's okay to ask questions and also don't you have forget. a right so, to ask So I questions. might be the quote unquote expert in autism, but you are the expert in your child. I am never going to know your child and all of the things about your child better than you do. And so, and that's, there's a lot of power in that, right? So mm-hmm. I can say this, I'm seeing this and I'm seeing that, and this is what it means. But like, you know, you know mm-hmm. better than I do about mm-hmm. your child. And, and that makes you an expert and for me, that puts us on an even playing field. And I just, I feel like you, as I, I just want to encourage parents to ask as many questions as they need to feel comfortable, to understand there is no dumb question. So many times I work with clinicians and they use these big words and they use these acronyms that are like only people within the field know what they are. It's not okay. like it's because they're so smart. It's because we use these things as shorthand and it's annoying and it's okay mm-hmm. to just be like, Hey, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I do that all the time. And I think sometimes parents feel like, Oh, I can't admit that. I don't know, but you know what? I I love it when people just stop me and they're like, what, what is that? Like, just break it down for me. So I, I hope parents can, you know, can, you know, get a move a little closer to feeling like they can do that. Cause it's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a good provider should, should, should be humbled by that. And, mm-hmm. um, we're all in situations that were, that are over our heads that we don't know all the information about. And, and absolutely. Yep. We actually have, um, a joke in the mental health world that is like, should we do CBT or B or should we do CBT or DVT for this BPD? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so like who get that we're trying, and this is actually human like interaction therapy, coping mm-hmm. mechanisms, but you hear that and you're like, what's that? <laughs> That's so, so true. Yeah. So yeah. for parents, yeah, you're not supposed to know everything. You're not supposed to know everything. And actually you won't know everything. Right. And so your power is in your curiosity. Ask all the questions right. that you want. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we providers have just been doing the same explanations over and over again. And they do, they get in these patterns where they say, they talk about BTs, which are the behavior technicians. And they don't, doesn't even occur to them mm-hmm. that that's not, that's not a thing that mm-hmm. anybody mm-hmm. else knows. Right. Like, yeah. It's so specific. And it's like, yeah. wait a minute, just stop. What is this? What does that even mean? And it, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, and um, something you said just too made me think about you. You mentioned an even playing field. I may be like maybe the professional is the expert in this this field, but the parents the expert in the child. And it, it actually made me kind of think about that in order to use my expertise, I need your expertise. I can't do my job well mm. without your knowledge mm. of your child and your family and what's important to you. And so that actually, I think tips the scales a bit um, to the parents, the parents yeah. voice being, you know, not even equal. It's more important because my ability to do my job as a behavior analyst relies completely on me listening to what matters to this child and family. Mm-hmm. And I think when you were just saying that, it made me actually think of, I never thought about it like this way, but it makes me think of, it's almost like for a time in, in the child's life, which makes sense, the parent is the translator. Mm, yeah. So the child is the client, the provider is the provider, the parent is the translator. Mm, interesting. Oh, I like that. It's just how I thought it right now, just because, yeah, yeah you're right. The parents are the ones with all the information that needs to come from the child. And ultimately who we're trying to help is the child. Yeah. The family, mm-hmm. but the child is the client. And absolutely. Yeah. And that's yeah. part of why, like when we evaluate, it's like, we want to get a really detailed history and we want to get information from the parent about the child in all these different environments, because we have an hour, two hours to see them in our random office. That's like very contrived. And it's like, you know, it, it, we can see some of these things, but it, you fill in the richer picture of mm-hmm. like, what, what does this look like? What proceeds, you know, and it's so much richer than we could ever get. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, interesting. All right, Louise, is there anything else you want to say to our parents? What do you wish parents knew before we conclude today? Yeah. Have fun with your child have fun with your child. Like they are young for a little time. If what they like is to line up their cars in the colors of the rainbow, line up the cars in the color of the rainbow and have fun playing with what red goes first and what red goes last. And if what your kiddo likes to do when they're excited is to run back and forth in the same path in their house, take a run with them in the same path. If, just have fun with them, have fun with the things that might be intimidating. And then you start realizing, like we said at the beginning, it's still your child, nothing has changed. And you're still their parent, nothing has changed. And you love each other. And this is a lifetime relationship and nothing has changed. I love that. I love that, Louisa. All right. I asked you this question a couple of years ago. I'm going to ask it again. I didn't tell you I was going to ask this. Can you tell me something that is happening in your life with your son right now that is bringing you both joy? Um, yeah, I mean, (laughs) Halloween was yesterday. So (laughs) there's that one thing with my son is that we can never just go to the store and get a costume that you could just buy easily because he has these intricate ideas in his mind, right? And so one time he wanted to be a fan, like a spinning fan, an isolated uh-huh. fan. So we had to make him a costume. The next <laughs> year he wanted to be a chef su- chef superhero. And so it was like that. Oh. This year I asked him so many times with the hope that it would change and it never did. <laughs> and I said, what do you want to be for Halloween this year? I want to be imagination. 
Wow. <laughs> wow. So, so he makes my creative wheels spin fast because he says and wants things and does things that I'm like, I can't just go buy that. I have to now yeah. figure out how to do these. And I, and it's fun. It's fun. That is. And so, yeah. I have to I, know, what did you do for imagination? <laughs> it was pretty cool. I wish I had it here. Um, <laughs> it, I got a, like a crown kind of thing for his head. I painted it all black. And then I put sticking up pinwheels and wheels car wheel toy car wheels that spin oh and they were in different colors <gasps> and then we dressed them all black so the whole attention was here and so he was technically the wheels of imagination that's amazing I love it that's so yeah. creative so I creative. would have it never done think, that <laughs> it makes me think he makes you be so much more creative than other people need to be he's a challenge on a whole other level that's like fabulous and 100 and I, and I felt I was like challenge accepted yes, <laughs> yes. so, so you went as super mom yeah. yes, yes yes the year of the fun it was his dad's uh challenge accepted and he went like the thing spin and everything oh my so, gosh that's impressive so he really is making us He's really making us work hard in these ways. And it's honestly because his brain thinks so different yeah. um, that it makes our brains think so different. And, oh, it's so rich. I could not tell you how much I love it. That is I so love, amazing. I love it. I can't wait to hear what's in store next year. Yeah, <laughs> me I know. Too. Let's make a note to, to check in before. Check Halloween. in again. Yes. Yes. Oh, thank you so much for your time, Louisa. This oh, has been incredible. It's always so wonderful to get to talk to you. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I really, really appreciate sharing with you all. And it's, it's good to be here. Thank yeah. you. And we'll include some more information, just a link to your business in the show notes in case people are interested in learning more about you and, and reaching out to you. You're a great yeah. resource. Thank you. Right, Ashley, what a good time. Thanks. It was a good time. See you next, next time. time. <laughs> you almost forgot this time. <laughs> This podcast represents the opinions of Drs. Ashley Penny and Jessica Greenson and our guests on the show. The content here should not be taken as clinical or medical advice and is for information purposes only. Because each child is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional with any specific questions. Views and opinions expressed on the podcast are our own. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we're sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast, and in no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a doctor-patient relationship. Thank you.